0: goodness to us and grace thank you that despite your holiness your absolute perfection that Jesus Christ left his throne and came to this earth to be with us to make the ultimate sacrifice for our sin thank you for his humility and his love and his grace This morning as we open your word together, I pray that you would speak to us very clearly that that as we gather here this morning, we would not hear my words, but your words. Speak to us, shape us, teach us this morning from the truth. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. I really hate to do this with a bottle of water here this morning, but if I don't, then I'm going to open my mouth and nothing's going to come out. Maybe you're like, somebody quick, take that bottle of water away, Uh, but uh, I might need it, so I'll try not to distract by it too much. Uh, I think I have mentioned before, maybe in some context, uh, so some of you may know this and others, of course, not, but my mother is one of ten siblings. She's from a big farm family, farming family in New Brunswick. So I have just lots of aunts and uncles and cousins uh, on my mother's side. And in the family of ten siblings, there were three sons and seven daughters. And uh, especially when we were kids, we always used to go up to my grandparents' house at Christmas time or for family reunions. And one of the things that all of us cousins would always notice and remark on when our mothers were all together was how much they sounded alike. Uh, Sometimes they would all be, you know, in one room and they'd be talking and they'd be laughing and all of us cousins would be in the next room where, we're like, is that my mom or is that your mom? Is is that Aunt Vida? Is that Aunt Marie? Is that Aunt Avis? Uh, You know, who is that? And we'd have a hard time telling them apart. I remember even, maybe this is just as the legend has grown, but I feel like I remember that when we were all little kids, sometimes we would run out into the kitchen and we would grab the wrong sister, thinking it was our mother, you know, because they sounded so much alike, and especially the, the youngest three or four of them look a lot alike. And so in the you know, modern era, not way back when I was a little kid in the dark ages, but in the modern era, of course, with Facebook, one of the things Facebook started doing was tagging people in your pictures, right? Like even if you didn't tag them. And so my mom would be getting all these notifications that somebody that she's never heard of was tagging her in their pictures, And she would open it up and say, what? I don't even know who this person is. And she would look at the picture, and it would be my Aunt Marie, but but Facebook tagged my mom because they look so much alike, and, you know, vice versa. Um, Now, you need to know something. I love my Aunt Marie. She is a wonderful lady, but she is not my mom. And... I don't struggle with getting my mom and my Aunt Marie mixed up. Some people may, but I don't. You know why? Because I know them very well. And the key to recognizing someone is to know them. And the key to distinguishing between two people is being aware of their distinguishing characteristics, right? I mean, that only makes sense. The people that you know well, you can easily tell apart. What makes them different? What makes my mom different from my Aunt Marie? Those things are embedded in my mind, and I never, ever get them mixed up. Now, here's why this matters. In the last month, twice now, Pastor Tim has been talking about false teachers, If you've been here for these weeks, you'll know that he's been talking about that from the book of 1 Timothy and some of the things that characterize false teachers. There are people in our world who open up the Bible like we do, but they teach something different and they twist the truth to make it mean what they want it to mean. Now today, we're going to be talking about godly teachers. We're going to do the opposite. Tim talked about false teachers today. I'm going to talk about godly teachers, elders, and pastors who teach the whole truth of the Word of God. And if you've been walking through this series with us the last few months, you'll know that we've called 1 Timothy life in the church. And he's addressing, Paul's addressing all these different areas of what it means to be in the church, to be a part of the church, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And we've been talking about all those things, doing God's work in God's way. And then every week we've been answering this question, what should we be doing as a church? So this morning for us, the answer to that question is this, what should we be doing as a church? We should be following careful teaching. Now where does careful teaching come from? Well, it comes from godly elders. And again, it was Tim who taught us a few weeks ago about appointing godly elders. That's one of the things the church should do. The church should appoint godly elders. Now, he talked about who godly elders are, and this morning I'm going to talk about what godly elders do. This is the role. Godly elders teach the Scripture carefully, and it results in growth. Now, let's see what Paul has to say. 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you've got your Bible, turn with me there to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen for you so that you can follow along. So here's what Paul says Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And your hearers. So, by this time, if you've been here a few times while we've been doing 1 Timothy, you know that this was written by Paul to Timothy, who was a pastor. So, when Tim and I read this book, we look at it slightly differently than you. Now, there's lots of stuff here for you. That's why we're up here teaching it every week for the past several weeks and the next few more. Now, when Tim and I read it, we, we look at it a little differently because this is a direct word to us because we're pastors. So Paul is speaking to Timothy, but he's also speaking directly for us. It's important for all of you, but this is really personal to me, especially when I read this passage. And so as we walk through it, I'm not just going to say to you, all these things that it says should all be true about you too. I'm not going to say that. That's, That's too blanket for me in this passage, okay? There are some things here that you need to do directly, but some of them are directly for me. But here's why I want you to know all of these things, even the stuff that's just for me and even the stuff that's just for Tim. I want you to know this because I want you to know what you should be looking for. Have you ever Googled anything? And uh, I know that I, I got to keep going because everybody's Googled something. Although I do remember a few years ago, I don't know where, I don't know where Ben is sitting. I don't see him, but uh, there he is back there. I remember one day, Tim and I were doing something to the greenhouse. we we're, were on the farmhouse or something. We were there for years working on stuff. But one day we were just doing something. Ben comes over. Now, if you know Ben, I love Ben. Ben is always excited about something, okay? That's just Ben. It's awesome. And he was so excited, and he had his phone, and he came over. Guess what? And we're like, what? He goes, I can Google. He he learned how to Google. He was so excited because Catherine showed him how to Google stuff. It opened a whole new world to him, and it was really fun <laughs> watching him. Do it. So if you have ever Googled something, maybe you had a question, maybe you had a question about spiritual things. Maybe you had a question about something that the Bible said. And you Googled that question, and like Google does with everything, in 2.1 seconds you have 5.9 million results, right? And you're going through and you're like, how do I know? How do I know which one is right? How do I know which... I'm looking at something, trying to understand a a verse of Scripture. How do I know which one of these is right? That's why what is talked about here is so important for all of you, not just Tim and I. And you're going to see these commands. Some of them are just for Tim and I. But you need to know them. You need to recognize them so that you can recognize what's right. Remember I was talking about how I distinguished between my mom and my Aunt Marie? Because I know them very well. I want you to know very well what a godly teacher looks like and what a false teacher looks like. So this is why this is important for you. I want you to see what a godly teacher is supposed to be doing so you can tell when you look at one if they're doing it or not. If they're doing what God has commanded them to do. So that's what we're going to do here. This is what pastors should be doing And in verse 11, Paul says, command and teach these things. So that's what I'm going to do. Three things that a godly elder should be doing. Here's the first one in verse 12. A godly elder lives life faithfully. A godly elder lives life faithfully. He says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Now, Timothy was on the younger side for somebody who is a pastor in that culture. We don't know exactly how old Timothy was. Um, If you read a bunch of scholars and and people that specialize in in those ancient times and, and what was going on historically in the Bible, some of them say he was maybe in his 30s or so, piecing together some timelines of what we know. We don't know for sure, but he seemed young for what he was being called to do in this church. But what I want you to notice here is the next part of the verse. Don't worry about the young part because neither Tim and I are young anymore, so you don't have to worry about that. But notice what he says to him. He says, set the believers an example. The word example just means model or pattern. And what Paul is saying to me and to Tim And what I'm saying to you is, you should be able to live your life like us. You should be able to, if we're doing our job correctly. Now, let me say this. I am not perfect. Tim is not perfect. I didn't mean to stress that, but you know. Neither one of us is perfect. We are not saying, I'm perfect, so do everything exactly like I am doing it. I'm saying you should be able to pattern your life after the way we live our lives and be honoring to God. That's what Paul is saying here. He's not saying he's perfect. Timothy wasn't perfect. We're not perfect. And you're not like us. You're not all like us in your personality. That's not what I'm talking about. But as a pattern in your lifestyle, you should be able to look at us and say, that's what I should be doing. What is he, what's the list here? What does he say? In your speech, you should be able to listen to the way that I talk, and the way that I speak with people, and you should say, I can talk like that, and that's honoring to God. This is the way that I should be talking to people. In my conduct, my actions, the things that I do, you should be able to copy that. The way I love other people, in faith, the way I trust God, in purity, the way I guard my heart and my mind, the way I I separate myself from things that are filthy in this world, you should be able to look at me and say, that's the standard I'm going to use too. Now, I have to tell you, sometimes I feel the weight of that responsibility. And I know Tim does too. And it's not fun sometimes to have everybody looking at you. But this is what God calls us to. Now, let me just say this before we move on. The wrong way for you to look at this verse is to hold us to a higher standard. Okay, and let me explain that. Paul is not saying, pastors should be here and you should be here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, they should set a pattern and you should follow that pattern. All of us who are Christ followers should be loving. We should all be Pure. We should all speak in a way that honors God. We should all conduct ourselves and act in a way that pleases Him. It's not a higher standard. It's a pattern that He's calling us to set. Here's the second thing. Number one is a godly elder lives life faithfully. Here's the second one. A godly elder teaches truth carefully. And you see the verses there again in 13 through 15. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. The word devote there means give your full attention to. The implication here is, is set a course and keep it. Dial it in. This is what you're doing. Stay on this track. This is so opposite of everything. That is around us, isn't it? Where we just move from one thing to the other, to the next, to the next, to the next. Paul says if you're a pastor, Timothy, Tim, Mike, you need to set this as your focus and you need to stay there. You need to keep it. This must be everything to you. Notice the three things that he says. The public reading of Scripture exhortation, which just means comfort and encouragement, and teaching, which is just instruction and application. So what Paul is telling Timothy and telling Tim and I here is, if you're going to be a godly pastor, then this is what should have your attention. Read people the scripture, explain it to them, and help them apply it to their lives. That's what I'm supposed to be devoted to. I'm supposed to comfort you with God's Word. I'm supposed to challenge you with it. Now, I don't know all of you that are here this morning, but a lot of you, we have interacted at some point. Maybe something has been happening in your life, and we've talked, and sometimes I've taken God's Word, and I've comforted you with it. Many of you that are here this morning have lost loved ones, and Tim or I have have ministered to you and your family during that time and, and we've, we've performed funeral services for your families and we've taken the word and, and we've comforted you with it. And then sometimes something else is going on with your life and your life and you're struggling, you're wrestling with something and you come to us a time and we take God's word and we challenge you with it. Hey, this is what the scripture says. Are you doing it? That's our job. That's what Paul says we're supposed to be devoted to. And notice here, too, that Paul warns Timothy not to neglect his gift. See, the gift of being a pastor and teacher, the way that Tim and I are here with you folks in this church, is a spiritual gift that God gives us by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says for Timothy, it was acknowledged By the other elders. The other elders in the church looked at Timothy and they said, Timothy, you have the gift of pastor, teacher. You need to use it here in our body. Paul says, Timothy, don't neglect that. What I think that means is this. For me, it would be wrong for me to not do what I'm doing. Since God gifted me to do it, I better do it. By the way, this is one of the things that you can feel free to apply directly to yourself. If God has gifted you to do something, you better do it. You better do it. He gives you gifts and abilities for a reason. He wants you to use them. And that's how it is for those He has gifted to be pastors. Notice what He says. Practice these things practice them that that means just simply do them just do it when i exercise at things i get better at them i get stronger at them in every area of my life and you do too the first time you drove a car you probably gave your father or mother or driving instructor a heart attack but as you got a little bit better and a little bit better and you practice, and you drove more, you got more confident, you get better at it, some of you. Some of you still make me nervous. I meet you on the road all the time. But when we practice things, we get better at them. And that's what Paul says to us as pastors, practice them, do them, and then notice what he says, immerse yourself in them. And I looked up this word immerse and it literally it means just it means to be. Be in them. I'm supposed to be in this and consumed by it. This is my life. This is what I do. It's my focus. That doesn't mean I don't have a life. It's always funny to me sometimes, you know, Melody and I will be in Walmart or something, and and we'll bump into one of our families from here that has, particularly somebody that has small children, and I can see the kids are like, they didn't know I go to Walmart too, just like everybody else. Because when they see me, I'm up here, or I'm back there, or I'm talking with somebody, or I'm doing a wedding, or I'm doing something like that. Because I'm in it. (laughs) This is my life. It is my life. I mean, I do all the other normal things, too, but this is my focus. Unlike when the Colgate Company started producing frozen dinners, or Harley Davidson started making aftershave, or Frito-Lay, the good people who gave us Cheetos, started making lip balm, that's true. You don't know about them because all those products failed. <laughs> they all failed because these successful companies that had made billions doing one thing said, hey, let's go do this. And it bombed. I need to focus. This is my life I'm devoted to. I'm immersed in it. This is what God has called me to do. You know, I like to listen to Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey says, You win at what you focus on. You win at what you focus on. And that's true. Not just in your finances, but in every area of your life. What are you winning at right now? What are you winning at in your life? Whatever that is, if you took a moment and thought about what it is that you're winning at, I promise you, It's what you're focusing on, I promise you. For me, it's teaching God's Word. For me, it's comforting, encouraging, and challenging you. Paul says, I'm supposed to do that so that all may see your progress, he says in verse 15. I should be progressing in my life, in my example, in my wisdom, in my teaching. I'm not perfect. Tim's not perfect. We've already established that. None of us are. But there should be progress. There should be progress. I've been doing this for about 27 years. And when I think back to 27 years ago, we were in a little town called Sherman, about 80 miles north of Bangor. And I think back at those times, and I think, those poor people. (laughs) Those poor people. God was gracious to them and to me. I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning on the job. Hopefully I'm a little better at what I'm doing now than I was then. Hopefully I've progressed. Paul says that's what happens when we immerse ourselves in what God has called us to do. Here's the third thing. A godly elder applies truth persistently. Verse 16, let me read it again for you real quickly. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will both save yourself and your hearers. Keep a close watch. Pay attention. Hang on to yourself. Notice it. To yourself and the teaching. Do you see both aspects of what God is telling Tim and I here? Do you see both aspects? Keep a handle on yourself and the teaching. What's he saying? He's saying, look, if you've got the lifestyle, but you don't teach properly, none of it matters. If your life is a mess, but you're teaching, none of it matters. It's got to be both. Paul says, Hang on to yourself and the teaching, your conduct, your lifestyle, and what you teach. Both of them, you cannot separate them, one without the other, is useless. Notice what he says, persist in doing this. So in verse 15, immerse meant to be in it. And in verse 16, persist means we got to stay in it. we got to keep doing it. I think maybe just last week when Tim was up here, he, <laughs> he told you that about every Monday morning he thinks, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> I can understand that. I've had those feelings often. Actually, sometimes we have that conversation together. We do. This is tough. Are we doing the right thing? Are we teaching the right things? Are we living the right examples? Are we guiding people the way that we should be? And, you know, we we have our own little pity parties, I guess. <laughs> you could call it. But then, you know, we do at the end, we say... What else will we be doing? What else is more important than what we're doing? This is what God's asked us to do. We've got to keep doing it. We've got to keep doing it. Back around Christmas, Tim texted me. I forget what we were texting back and forth about, but we were texting, and I asked him something, and he was just joking, but he said, You're not leaving, are you? mean like leaving here, leaving this church or this community. He was just joking, but he said, you're not leaving, are you? And I said, I wouldn't do that to you. And I said, you better not do that to me. <laughs> no, we're doing this. we got to keep doing this. That's what Paul's talking about. Persistent at, keep going, commit to it. What am I willing to do? What lengths am I willing to go to? Notice what he says at the end of the verse. If we do that, if Tim and I do what God's asking us to do, notice what he says. He said by so doing you will both you will save both yourself and your hearers. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that if I stand up here and I teach the truth that you'll all automatically be saved. That's not what he's talk, talking about. It's not what he's saying. It means that when I do what God has called and gifted me to do, it leads to a lifestyle that honors God in me and in other people that I'm ministering to. It means I have what I need to do what God is calling me to do, and you have what you need to do what God is calling you to do. It means that not only should I be progressing, you should be progressing too. This is not just about me. I don't do these things all just for me, even though they do benefit me as well. It's for you. And it's so important, that's why half of every service is reading the Scripture and teaching it. It's why our small groups and our LTGs revolve around studying God's Word. It's why we have those equipped classes. Do the survey, if you haven't done it. Another plug. Because my role, doing what God's asked me to do, impacts you. And your role is to impact other people. If you're going to be a God-honoring Christ follower, if you're going to be part of a solid church, if you're going to contribute, if you're going to be effective for the kingdom, you need to follow careful teaching. That's the bottom line of what we're talking about here this morning. You need to follow careful teaching. This is the role of the elder, of the pastor. I have a responsibility to do it. You have a responsibility to to look for it, and to follow it. This is God's design for the church. This is what he has set out and asked for us to do. Now, here is my request. A lot of this was about me and Tim. Remember I told you, I want you to be watching for that. When you're here, I want you to be watching us. I want you to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But if you're somewhere else, if God calls you to another community or another town or another state, you move, you're looking for a church, I want you to know what to look for. Okay, so a lot of this is about us. But now I'm going to make my request. I'm going to ask for three things from you, okay? I'm going to ask for three things. Here's the first one. Prayer. Please pray for us please pray for Tim and I. If you have a prayer list or if you have a notebook or a journal or something that you use when you're reading God's word each day and you have a list in there of people that you pray for, can you put Tim and I in there? Because to do this well is a total life commitment. I'm not asking for your pity. I'm asking for your prayers. It's a total life commitment. And would you pray for our families too? Pray for Pam and Talia and Justin. Pray for Melody and Gavin. Because what we're doing every day affects them too. (laughs) Believe me, it affects them too. Pray for us for strength and wisdom, for consistency, for protection, for purity. That's my first request is prayer. Here's my second one. Understanding. We are human. We're not perfect. We struggle. We get things wrong. Sometimes we forget things. I'm going to be completely vulnerable with you here this morning. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get frustrated. Please understand that. Now God calls us to trust Him just like we tell you that you should trust Him. And He cares for us. And He strengthens us. But you know what? We have days when we get discouraged and we get frustrated. So my first request is prayer. The second one is, is understanding. Just, just please know that we're doing the best we can with God's help, but we're not always going to get it right. And here's the third thing, help. Prayer, understanding, and help. We love Jesus Christ, and we love his church. We love this church, and we believe in the difference that a godly church that God works through, that the Holy Spirit empowers, can do in a community, just like we sang it in Build Your Kingdom. Jesus Christ is the hope that the world needs, and the church is called to bring it to them. And we believe that, and we're doing everything we can. We're, we're giving it everything we've got, okay? You may not see what we do every day, and again, I'm not asking for your pity. I'm just, I'm just telling you we're, we're giving it all we've got, but we can't do it all. And there are so many of you that are committed to what we're doing here, to what God is doing here. You are in it, you're involved, you're sacrificing I can't tell you how encouraging that is to Tim and I. But we need everybody. We need everybody. All of us. Jesus is the hope of the world. And we are the ones he uses to share that hope. We're his body. We're his hands and his feet. And the question is, will you go? That's what our new song is about this month. Will you go? That's what we're asking. We're saying to God, send us out. Send us out to do what you're calling us to do. Will you offer yourself to him for his work? Why don't we stand up? We're going to close as we sing that song this morning. I'll ask the band to lead us in it. Father, I pray that as we gather here and then as we disperse, that you will challenge and encourage our hearts, that we would all fulfill the roles that you have given us, that we would take the things that we've heard and learned today, and that we will go out into the world, that we will be your hands and feet, that will minister to those who have need. Father, would you show us those that you would have us to minister to today? Just open our eyes and see the people around us who need our help, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in whatever way, And I pray that we'll be willing to care for those that you bring into our paths. Thank you for this time together. Just give us strength and courage for the week that is coming. In Christ's name, amen.